Hi, welcome to the Canola Watch podcast. My name is Jay Wetter, and our topic today is flea beetle management, eight steps to the spray decision. And with me are... Keith Galbert, I'm a Canola Council agronomist out of central Alberta. And Gregory Seklich, I'm a Canola Council agronomist for northern Alberta and British Columbia. And John Gavlowski, I'm an entomologist with Manitoba Agriculture. All right, guys, let's talk about what is being observed out in the fields right now. Keith, what are you hearing with regard to flea beetles so far this year? Actually, we're just coming out of a long weekend, uh, and the May long weekend in Alberta is historically marked by snow or some rainfall event that would discourage campers. And I suspect we're going to say the same thing about flea beetles. The one thing that has happened in the last three or four days is that uh, we haven't been scouting our fields because we've got a fair bit of rain across most of the agricultural area and, and a bit of snow. The piece got a lot of snow in places this past week. So as the weather clears up and growers get back out in the field, we're going to see the flea beetles do exactly the same thing, which is get out there and start eating. For the most part, the early seeded crops, which were coming up fairly early with nothing else in the neighborhood for flea beetles to eat, saw a fair bit of damage. But most, and I'll say most of the crop, 98% of the crop or more, is likely coming up now. So we're coming into the time where growers should be looking for flea beetle damage, but it's a little bit early to say how bad it's going to be across most of central Alberta. Greg, how about you? Uh, Keith mentioned snow up in your territory. Any other observations? Uh, yeah, we were out last week actually scouting some of the earliest emerged fields and finding some feeding but not really enough on the fields that I was at to be concerned about. So we were well below any threshold level. Uh, and the new growth that was emerging from the plants was actually intact and not being fed on. So really it seemed like in the fields we were in, we were finding that the seed treatments were actually doing their job really, really well. And I would agree that the bulk of our planted crop up here is not emerging yet or had not emerged at any rate. John? How about you on the eastern side of the prairie, Manitoba? Is there any reports of flea beetle damage yet this year? There's certainly reports of uh, flea beetles and flea beetle feeding. And the fields I've been into um, on the warmer, calm days, which we've had actually quite a few of in Manitoba, uh, you can find flea beetles on the plants. Um, right now, it's mainly striped flea beetles, but that's not unusual for us. Uh, for this time of year. Um, the striped flea beetles usually do come out a bit before the crucifer, but I do expect those crucifer flea beetle populations to really pick up soon. Uh, as far as economic damage, we haven't really seen uh, any yet. Uh, but again, they are out there feeding. I think for the most part, um, a lot of the canola is still very small or just coming up. Uh, although we've had some good weather, most people probably didn't get their seeding done until that first week in May, and then there's still some canola um, going in. Uh, that stuff that was seeded the first week in May, the seed treatments might be starting to wear out soon, but like I said, so far we haven't seen any um, very heavy defoliation. I am cautioning people though, we did have a, a very extended period of dry weather, and with that drier weather, uh, emergence really wasn't happening. We could have some very uneven crops coming up. So with that, keep an eye on things. Good. Well, let's assume then that um, as canola develops and as the 
the weather, at least in the western part of the prairies, starts getting warm again, that, that we're going to see some flea beetle activity as we usually do. So when it comes to that spray decision, uh, Canola Watch has reported on eight steps to to look to work through before making the decision to get out the sprayer. And the first one is to assess the level of damage. You're going to laugh, but my favorite comment to make about assessing flea beetle damage is to have somebody else do it for your field. Because you're really looking for 25% damage on your crop before you're concerned in any way. Um, and at that point, I tell growers, that's the action threshold. If you don't, uh, if you don't know where your insecticide's coming from, you should probably sort that out. If you need to line up a custom sprayer, maybe you should have been looking for it a little bit before that. But at 25%, really the plant can handle that much injury really easily. 25% damage means that all those little holes on the underside of the leaf, on the top of the leaf, any feeding damage from the insect on the leaf surface, um, you could lose a quarter of the, the plant, so half of one of those cotyledons if you're just at the emergence stage, which looks really ugly. So my, my joke that I tell growers when I'm talking in front of an audience is, is the easiest way to accurately assess flea beetle damage is to have somebody else do it because 10% looks pretty bad. Now we'll move on to step two, which is to look under leaves and on stems. Now, w with wind or maybe heat, I'm not sure, John, you can help me there, uh, certainly cool weather, flea beetles, they don't necessarily die off or disappear. Sometimes they move lower in the plant. But John, what under more extreme conditions, where do flea beetles go and, and do they keep feeding? Well, uh, first of all, you, you mentioned both wind and temperature. Um, Flea beetles are cold-blooded. They, uh, their muscles do not work well at cooler temperatures, so they will become much more inactive and not be flying. And also, being a smaller insect, they do they're, they're very, very inactive on very windy days. So uh, even if it's warmer out, if it's very windy, they may become much less active, meaning they're not flying. Uh, what they will do when it's quite cool, they will often uh, crawl into the soil if there's cracks in the soil, especially if there's a crack right next to the plant. They can uh, crawl down into the soil and they are less active. They won't feed as much, but they still may feed. And again, it depends on how, how cool we're talking about, but they still will feed somewhat. Uh, the problem we can run into there is you can get feeding on the stem. And we, we have dug up plants in the past and observed flea beetle feeding below the soil level. So that can happen. Um, that's something, of course, when you're out doing your ratings, you don't really even see that. We do encourage people look on the stem um, and underneath the leaves because there could be some damage there that uh, you're not seeing. Now, it's hard to factor that into the rating scheme that has been developed, the rating scheme is usually looking at cotyledons, assessing do we have the 25%. The caution I have there too is um, our eyes are often drawn to the damage, so often people will overestimate a bit. Uh, so be careful uh, not to overestimate, but also do observe the plants, observe the level of stem feeding, uh, meristem feeding, um, it's hard to have, we don't have hard and fast rules to say 
if you've got so much stem feeding you spray. This is more something you have to use, it's more of a gut feeling or an educated guess uh, to assess, okay, we're close to 25%, but we've got lots of stem feeding. Um, the, the threshold we have is a nominal threshold. Uh, it's a good guideline, but uh, collect some of that extra information such as stem feeding and factor that into your decision making as well. I think I would just really emphasize that the, the first two steps clearly illustrate the, the extreme importance of, of scouting your field. Uh, not just to spray because the neighbor is spraying or, or because um, it's habit, uh, but also to check and see if that surface damage is deceptively mild and you are actually seeing stem feeding, which is more critical than, uh, than leaf feeding. So that really illustrates the importance of actually being in the field. And that leads into step three was while you're out there in the field, um, if you're seeing damage, also take a look and make sure the flea beetles are still there in, in numbers that uh, would warrant any sort of action. So step three is important, but probably uh, unless you see a lot of flea beetles, so they're, they're visually easy to spot. I don't. I kind of skip that step and move right on to step four, trying to get a bit of an idea on: Are those flea beetles still there? Are they eating on the newest leaf? Are they are they going to get ahead of the crop, or is the crop going to get ahead of them? So let's go back to that, Keith. So you're saying, um, if there's feeding and there seems to be new feeding, then whether you're seeing lots of them or a few of them uh, isn't super relevant. Uh, because they're probably there, maybe they're hiding, and, and so just seeing lots or, or low numbers isn't so important. Well, if there's low numbers of flea beetles, but there's more feeding damage than I'm prepared to accept, and it's on the new leaves, that probably tells me that I'm scouting at a time that the flea beetles aren't active. And you probably know that because it's a little bit cool or it's a little bit windy, and you're not going to get out to every field under ideal conditions to watch flea beetles sun themselves on the leaf surface and 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 eat while you're watching them. So really you have to take the clues that are there as you're scouting. And the biggest clue to be worried about is where are the flea beetles at relative to the crop? So is the crop going to get large enough, big enough? Does it have enough moisture in the ground? Or is the weather forecast helping us out in terms of promoting plant growth? Yeah faster than the flea beetles can eat it. And and if the crop's going to get ahead of the flea beetles and the seed treatment's working, really that's the ideal scenario. Whether you have flea beetles or not, the situation is under control if the crop is going to get ahead of them. The, the, the number of flea beetles you see walking the field on a given day will depend on both temperature and wind speed, possibly the time of day you're walking the field as well. Um, so uh, cer certainly uh, consider the numbers in your assessment, but I, I appreciate uh, what Keith is saying that uh, sometimes low numbers don't necessarily mean the flea beetles aren't there. It just means that you're not seeing them at that time, and that could be explained again by uh, weather events and conditions. We will get to a period where flea beetles start dying out and the numbers are diminishing, and uh, it becomes they become less of a, re a risk, and the spraying may not be as necessary. That usually occurs somewhere in June, though. Uh, usually around mid-June, certainly when we get into later June, 
uh, will be having uh, a significant proportion of the flea beetle population naturally dying out. The flea beetles overwinter as adults, they live for a few weeks, but and usually once we get into later June, levels are getting low enough that um, uh, naturally you probably don't need to be spraying. Uh, usually in May, we make the assumption that the levels are there, um, and if your seed treatment is wearing out, you need to be scouting the fields. You may or may not have economical populations, but you need to be scouting, especially uh, through May and early June. You are listening to the Canola Watch podcast, brought to you by the Canola Council of Canada and the Provincial Canola Grower Organizations. Before getting on to steps five to eight, I asked about the the action threshold at 25% and how that relates to the economic threshold at 50%. So, so John talked about our flea beetle damage uh, numbers being a nominal threshold and, and, and a good way to think of that, it's not the most accurate way to think about it, but a good way to think about that is that it's essentially a really well-educated guess when someone says it's a nominal threshold. And the 25% damage is there as an action threshold because our past experience with flea beetles tells us that under really good conditions for flea beetles, which tend to be good conditions for canola, but it just depends on on the stage of the crop and the environmental conditions you're fighting with, 25% damage on the crop can turn into 50% in, in the matter of as little of a, as a day. So if the flea beetles are really aggressive and their numbers are really high and your crop for whatever reason is growing slowly, you could easily go from 25% damage to 50% damage where we start to see economic injury to your crop and perhaps a yield impact. So if we knew that the 25% threshold uh, had been reached, but it was never going to get over 50, the best advice we could give you is you don't have to spray, you don't have to do any other additional flea beetle control measures, but the risk is those beetles are pretty aggressive feeders and if you're unable to assess in the field that your seed treatment is working and that your plants are actively growing and have new growth that's not being damaged by flea beetles, then you really do have to use that 25% as an indication of how do I stay ahead of flea beetle damage. And a number of agronomists have come to me in the last couple of years and said, I've been in fields that have been at 50% or worse and have recovered exceptionally well. In their minds, had no economic damage, but it's difficult to predict that. So to be on the safe side, we recommend controlling flea beetles anytime that we're going to see a stand reduction in a significant way from something like stem feeding or when you're between that 25 and 50 percent as a way to manage this particular insect pest. Much more research does need to be done to uh, validate these thresholds. In fact, there's a study going on right now to try to do that. Um, also consider the growing conditions. That's the other thing that can be critical and Keith uh, brought that up as well. If a crop just isn't uh, growing rapidly, there's um, uh, the, the weather conditions aren't in its favor, uh, the crop might stay in that vulnerable stage longer and it might have a harder time compensating for that feeding. So uh, that's the other thing you do have to assess. Uh, do we have good soil moisture? Is the crop growing uh, quite nicely uh, otherwise? Uh, what is the crop's compensatory abilities? Uh, that's the other thing you might want to factor in. 
Well, that leads really nicely into step five, John, which is consider the plant stand. So if you've, if you've got a good stand of, you know, seven or, or 10 plants per square foot, maybe that 25% applies. Would you ever, Greg, I'll go to you with this one. Would you ever, uh, if you've got two or three plants per square foot, would you lower that action threshold, say, to 20%? No, no, I wouldn't lower the action threshold because those uh, thresholds, by my understanding, are per plant. Uh, so the plant can recover its yield potential from the the damage caused to it. But that kind of highlights the importance of having those plant stands that are seven to ten plants per square foot. So you have more plants per beetle to spread that damage out and potentially not require that foliar application when we're seeing feeding. Very good. All right, let's go on to step six. Now, this is about checking a number of areas within a field. John, do, do flea beetles tend to be variable throughout a field in numbers, or or do they once they spread through a field, are they pretty consistent throughout? They can be variable, and when they are, it's often edge effect. Um, for the most part, uh, a high proportion of the flea beetles will overwinter outside of last year's canola fields. They do like an area that has uh, some leaf litter or something they can get underneath uh, to provide good overwintering conditions. And stubble within a field doesn't seem to be enough usually. There's been some studies that um, show that even in reduced tillage situations, the majority of beetles still do go to uh, groves of trees and shelter belts and areas outside of the field. So that's where they're coming from um, in the spring. If the weather is cool enough when they start doing those first flights, they don't move as far, especially if it's a bit windy as well. So you can get these situations where you have very noticeable edge effects. Uh, if you have some very good flight days, uh, calm weather, above 15 degrees, they they will spread themselves out a bit more uniformly. So either situation can occur where you do have um, a fairly uniform population or um, something that's a bit more clustered. But again, where they are clustered, it's usually more of an edge effect. So we do encourage people, certainly scout those edges, but also move in a little bit. Um, there have been situations where we, we have seen people do edge treatments. Sometimes you can do that, but you do want to scout well into the field as well and just see is the damage and the flea beetle numbers um, as strong further in the field as in the edge and use that information to help make your decision. Keith, our article suggests inspecting 20 seedlings at 10 sites in each field. Uh, that that seems like a lot. Does anybody do that uh, many and do they, do they need to? You know, I, I think growers probably assess more than 200 seedlings when they're making the call to spray a field, but no one wants to get told that they need to do 20 seedlings in 10 different spots in the field. So um, as an example, last year was a actually a really good year for flea beetles and not a great year for canola. And one of the field calls I was at with a farmer and his two sons, they were stressing why their crop wasn't looking better. They 
looked at it a couple days in a row and finally had had called me as as their local canola council agronomist to come take a look and really the the way that most growers will assess a field is to simply walk across it. Uh, they probably stop more than 10 places, but you get a really good visual idea what the top of the plants look like by walking across the field. And if you're if if you've looked at canola your whole life, you have a pretty good idea how many holes are there. But you do have to stop, reach down, take a look at the underside of the leaves, and assess stem feeding. And and most people will do this naturally as they're trying to sort of walk themselves through the decision of do I need this do I need to spray this field so the idea is to have a really good idea how the insects are damaging the crop across the field so that as you turn around and come back to the truck you're able to accurately say yes this field has about 40 percent damage and all the new leaves look fine or I've pulled up 30 plants as I've walked around the field the last three minutes and they all have stem feeding and my crop looks worse now than it did two days ago when I looked at it and it looked better uh, four days ago as well so while we don't talk about stem feeding in any kind of descriptive way uh, this one particular field had a fair bit of it we had poor weather conditions dry soil conditions the crop wasn't growing as the temperature came up the flea beetles were more active than the crop and because as we walked across the field we had about 60% of the plants with some stem feeding the next time I stopped that field on my way past the neighborhood uh, one day later it had already been sprayed uh, so that decision was relatively easy I really want to stress however the importance of making sure that those plant assessments are random as John mentioned your eye is going to be drawn to the plants that have the most damage so it would actually be pretty easy to skew your opinion of a field by uh, just stopping where the your eyes are more drawn to damage. So uh, a, a square meter um, hoop or something that will force you to not just stop uh, where your eyes see things to look at, but at random places throughout the field becomes hugely important in making that decision and that accurate assessment. Absolutely, and the easiest way to do that is, at least for me, is to pick a number of how many steps I'm going to take before I look again because flea beetle damage especially uh, is easy to overestimate. It looks particularly ugly. It's at a vulnerable stage of your crop. The inclination for a grower is something's hurting my crop, I'm going to spray. And in the majority of cases, I would say uh, spraying for flea beetles isn't required. And there's lots of flea beetles out there, but in the majority of cases, the seed treatment works, the crop is growing, no insecticides required. I think that's a fair statement. In, in most years, the uh, seed treatments will be enough. It will depend somewhat on the year. Uh, we, we have had years where uh, it took a very long time for plants to get from, the, from seeding to that three to four leaf stage. That will certainly affect things. But in most years, the seed treatments will be enough to get you through in most fields. There will be exceptions every year, um, but certainly the growing conditions uh, play a big part in this and also the weather conditions, how they affect the flea beetles. And that leads nicely into step seven, which is check the crop stage. So John, you mentioned sometimes slow growth situations. Um, will extend that risk period for flea beetles. 
Now, what I've heard and what I've written in the article is that at the four leaf stage, the thread is basically over. Is that a, a firm statement that we can count on? Well, it's based on research uh, done on uh, canola at Ag Canada in Winnipeg. There was a study there where they were looking at um, the stages that were most susceptible to flea beetle feeding, and they did find that in general, once you had three or four true leaves, uh, the plants could compensate well on their own for the flea beetle feeding. Uh, below that, even with one or two true leaves with the higher flea beetle populations, you still could get um, plants being killed or uh, set back or yield losses. Now, that's again a, a guideline. Uh, it's going to vary depending on situation. Certainly if the growing conditions are good, there's decent soil moisture, uh, the crop is otherwise growing quite well, I think we can use that as a, a good, a fairly firm guideline. Uh, if by chance we're in a drought stress situation where the crops really are having trouble growing, we might need to refine that a bit. We have to keep in mind what, what, that, uh, what we're actually talking about here is the plant's ability to compensate for the feeding. And so generally when you get three or four true leaves, the, the plants are going to be able to compensate for any additional feeding. They've got enough leaf material and they're hopefully growing quickly enough that they can outgrow any further feeding. And usually this is late, late enough in the season as well where the flea beetles are starting to decline. But again, you could get into a situation because of conditions that the plants just aren't putting on that new growth quickly enough and even though you might be getting into that say three leaf stage if the plants are really struggling I would still use that guideline but I would to keep an eye on things if you notice that uh, the feeding is the feeding is getting a bit too intense um, you can make exceptions to the rule all right step eight if necessary to spray, use only registered pesticides. So we've got a number of pesticides that are available to manage flea beetles in canola. So that finding a product shouldn't be an issue, but are, are there particular tips with regard to timing of sprays or ways to get um, better results when you're using a pesticide? Greg, do you have any suggestions there? we want to be applying them when there's decent growing conditions. So obviously not during a frost or during the rain um, or even during wind while there's likely nothing in uh, an insecticide that's going to hurt the crop. Um, remember that there are insects that are living around the field that uh, could be damaged by drifted product as well. Actually, two, two things you probably want to consider is, uh, Greg mentioned there sometimes are other things you need to be concerned about. Ideally you would want to be spraying when the flea beetles are most active which usually means uh, warm, the warmest part of the day and when it's not so windy. Now there's trade-offs in doing that though. Um, one of the bigger groups of chemicals that are used for flea beetles are the pyrethroids. Some of them do not work as well if it gets into the high 20s. So low 20s, you're probably still okay, but if you get into the high 20s, uh, then you might want to wait till uh, later in the day when it's cooled off a little bit to spray. Uh, again, the trade-off being uh, the flea beetles may not be quite as active. However, the pyrethroids in general do have a decent residual where 
uh, for the next uh, at least couple or a few days, depending on environmental conditions, you should still be getting kill. Um, later in the day, if there was, uh, say, flowering weeds within or around the field, uh, that could be a consideration. That could be drawing in uh, pollinators. So there's things like that to consider as well. When I asked for closing thoughts, Keith suggested that we have a brief discussion about how to assess for stem feeding. And he asked John to comment. Minor stem feeding the plant can compensate for. So the odd pitch on the stem, the plant will still grow and recover and do fine. Uh, it's when you get to the point where uh, plants are literally toppling over, which we've seen, uh, where you're going to have that more severe damage. The other reality is nobody's done a lot of research on stem feeding. So we really don't know what the link or correlation is between uh, level of stem feeding and, uh, say, reduced flow of nutrients or um, yield loss in the end. So again, it's, it, there is a little bit of a judgment uh, call to be made. Uh, and it's also a tougher thing to rate because we do have picture keys and guidelines for cotyledon feeding. Uh, when you look on the stem, if you, you have to look very carefully. You're seeing little pits if you look carefully, but it really is harder to diagnose. So a lot of time it is based more on how many plants are leaning, toppled over. But I guess in addition to that, I would say look at the stem and see how much pitting is there. Um, it is a tougher thing to rate, though, as far as putting a number on it. And we don't even know how we would combine that number with a cotyledon rating to really um, incorporate it into the threshold. So it is more of a uh, almost a gut feeling that you have to consider when you're doing the cotyledon ratings. If you're going to go out and assess flea beetle damage for the first time and you haven't pulled up canola plants before uh, to look at the stem, don't be surprised to see stem feeding because it's often there. So it's just one more thing that you add to your toolbox of assessing damage. And it takes a few uh, fields and, a, and maybe a year or two to, to get comfortable with the idea that these insects uh, feed anywhere they can on the plant. And it's really a function of environmental conditions that drive them down to the soil surface or bring them up and, and sunning themselves while, while they're eating. But for the most part, the insecticide that we've got there uh, deals with them either way. But one bite on the stem is obviously more damaging than one bite on the cotyledon. Thanks, Keith. Thanks, John. Thanks, Gregory. That was a thorough discussion of the flea beetle management decision. But if you want more, go to canolawatch.org and look up flea beetles under the insects heading. For the Canola Watch podcast, I'm Jay Wetter. Thanks for listening.